Welcome to the Grow Wealth Experience, where top business leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world help empower you to build your best financial life. Now here's your host, Aisha Turgut. Welcome to the Grow Wealth Podcast. In this episode, we are going to uncover what self-directed IRAs are and how we can use it to build wealth towards our retirement through real estate. Now, all of us have heard of 401ks. We've heard of Roth and traditional IRAs. And with these, we are limited to the asset classes of stocks, bonds. Typically, it's a list of mutual funds that we choose from. With self-directed IRAs, this expands your asset class into other investment vehicles that include real estate. Now, many of you probably have left a lot of jobs or currently recently as part of the great resignation have left your job and you're wondering what to do with your 401k. Well, you can roll that into a self-directed IRA, expand and diversify your portfolio and spread out your risk with real estate. And I want to briefly mention inflation. As investors, we should be looking at the real return on our investment. The consumer price index just last month it was 6.2%. So we're facing inflation right now, meaning if your asset return on investment is 10% with a 6.2 inflation rate, your real rate of return is 3.8%. So we need to be smart on how we invest our money and put it in classes, asset classes like real estate that's going to hedge inflation. Today, we have a master of self-directed IRA investments in the house. His name is Matt Sorensen. He is joining us here from Phoenix, Arizona. Matt has been in the forefront of the self-directed IRA industry since 2006. He's the CEO of Directed IRA and Directed Trust Company. And he is also a practicing attorney specializing in self-directed IRA law. He's a partner at KKOS Lawyers. Matt is also best known for his book, The Self-Directed IRA Handbook, which has sold over 20,000 copies, and it's the most used book in the industry. Matt is a VIP contributor at entrepreneur.com, and he writes on retirement, tax, and legal topics. And Finally, he's also a self-directed IRA investor himself. So he's bringing his wealth of experience to us today as well. So he's here to introduce self-directed IRAs to us, give us an overview, what we can and what we can't do. And it's great. He's got the legal background. And welcome, Matt. Hey, thanks so much. 
Um, I mean, I'm always happy to come on and talk about self-directed IRAs. It's my topic. So uh, generally, you don't want to know what I think about everything else. But this I'm pretty good at, I think. So hopefully I can um, share something useful to all your listeners today. Wonderful. So I mentioned real estate, but many of our listeners have not heard of self-directed IRAs. Can you expand on the definition of that? We can start off with that. Yeah. So really what a self-directed IRA is, is it's an IRA that can invest in any asset allowed by law. So the legal restrictions on what an IRA can own are actually pretty small. It's collectible items, life insurance, and S-corporation stock. That's it. I mean, everything else is fair game in a retirement account. What's happened, though, is most people have their IRA at like a broker-dealer. Well, what does a broker-dealer let your IRA or 401k buy? What they sell. They sell stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. They've always sold that. And once retirement accounts came around, they just let your retirement account buy what they already sold. If you had an IRA at, let's say, a life insurance company, let's say you're at New York Life or Northwestern Mutual, what do they let your IRA buy? Annuities. That's what they sell. So. IRAs have always been around and you can always self-direct it. It's just been that like you're typically at a broker dealer that's going to restrict you from buying real estate or a startup or crypto in your IRA. They're going to say, no, you can't do that. It's not because IRAs can't do that. It's because IRAs at their company can't do that. So how does one get started? I mentioned rolling over old 401ks. What else? How else can we roll things over? Yeah, I mean, that's a very common one is the old 401k. Let's say it's a Fidelity or wherever, and you've left that employer. You can roll that wherever you want. I mean, you could roll that to a broker-dealer IRA. You could roll it to a self-directed IRA. And so if you had a traditional 401k, you just roll it to a traditional self-directed IRA, a company like ours, which is directed IRA. And there's like 30 companies out there that offer self-directed IRA accounts. You only need to know one directed IRA. But, but uh, you roll your account over to one of them. And now, now you have an option of, right, now I could invest in real estate. I could buy a rental. I could even flip a property. I could invest in a startup or a private company. It's not publicly traded. I could do pre-IPO. I mean, I could buy, we have a lot of clients buying crypto now. I mean, whatever you're into. So we're not in the business of telling clients what to buy or we're just like, hey, whatever you're into, whatever you know, you know and is your expertise, invest in what you know. We're just not going to restrict you to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. So you got to move there. But also people, let's say you just have an IRA already. You've got a Roth IRA or a SEP IRA or a traditional IRA at another IRA company, and you're buying mutual funds or something like that. Well, you can move that or just a portion of that that you want to self-direct and buy real estate or whatever asset you may be interested in. So so you can always transfer with no tax or um, penalty to do that. And what if you're currently working somewhere? Can an employer go to his boss and say, hey, I want to switch my yeah. 401k to a self-directed IRA. How does that work? Yeah, that's the sticky one. Um, because if you're still employed, the company can restrict you from moving money out to any IRA um, or any other place. So it's like, well, our company uses Vanguard for the 401k. Like you're stuck at Vanguard. Now there's some exceptions to that. The first is if you're at retirement plan age, even if you're still working there, If you've hit retirement plan age, which in some 401ks or 403bs is 55, most it's at least 59 and a half. So let's say you're 60 
and you're like, yeah, I don't want to pull 200 grand out for my 401k. I've been here for years and I want to go buy a duplex. Okay. For just a rental. All right. You can do that. You'll be able to roll out because you've hit retirement plan age and they can't restrict you to leave all your funds in. But if you're 40, you know, and you're still employed there, you're locked in until you leave or hit retirement plan. Great. Now you mentioned there are 30 companies out there. How does yeah. one, what kind of due diligence does one have to do when selecting companies and what are some of the pitfalls that they should be watching out for? I think there's kind of, there's probably three things to think about. So um, the first would be is, are they licensed? I mean, it seems pretty basic and you would think if this company has a website and you know they take retirement accounts that they're licensed. They're not all. So in order to custody a retirement account, like an IRA, you have to be a bank, a credit union, or a trust company. Or you can be specifically approved by the IRS, but there's very few of those left. They're basically like the large broker dealers. So you're pretty much looking at banks, credit unions, or trust companies. So we're a trust company at our company, directed IRA and direct trust company. We're licensed by the banking department. We're audited by third-party auditors. And so like, that's good because you want someone licensed and audited. There's a piece of the self-directed IRA industry called third-party administrators. And I never tell you what they are because they don't want you to know this, but they're not licensed. They have a trust company or bank in the back end that you don't work with, whose license they basically use to justify their ability to do it, but they have control of your funds. And so I'd be careful on that. There was a company that was a third-party administrator. The business owner stole a bunch of money and he's in prison now. And, and so that's because they weren't regulated. They didn't have an auditor in there every year. They didn't have a banking department examiner going through their stuff. There's no way that guy would have taken his customer's money if that was there. Well, so, licensed and audited seems simple, but uh, that's one. I would just look, I would get for recommendations, maybe people you may know. That's always the best way for any service. Um, try to see what the reviews are. We post all of our Google reviews on our site. Wonderful. Um, and then the last would be is fees, right? I mean, just like any service, what are the fees? So there's some companies that charge a per asset fee where you have a per asset per year. So if you had three assets in your self-directed IRA, you'd have a fee per asset. There's some companies that charge a percent of your account. So let's say you have a million dollar account, they'll charge you, you know, 1% or, or they'll charge you a half a percent. There's a certain basis point on that. Um, and then there's just a flat fee. We're the flat fee method of it's $295 a year, and then we charge a transaction fee when you buy or sell something that ranges from $50 to $100. Bucks. So check, check the fees. Just make sure you understand it for what you're trying to do. Now, looking at going, going to real estate, yeah. I, always, I always inform people, never purchase a real estate investment property in your own name. Form a business entity like an LLC, whatever, you and your attorney yeah. and accountant agree upon that's best for you. How does that work with a self-directed IRA? Do they have to do a business formation or can they just do it under the IRA? So if you're buying a property, real estate with your IRA, now remember this has to be investment real estate. So this is like a rental or it's, you know, it's not something you're going to go live in. Okay. That's restricted. But let's say it's the rental. Um, that's the easiest. I mean, that's what I own in my retirement account. Um, you can buy it directly in the IRA's name. And like at us, it would be directed trust company, FBO, Matt Sorensen IRA. You know, that would, if we, I just bought an IRA. That's who owns it. Matt Sorensen doesn't own it, his IRA does. But like you said, most people don't buy it in the IRA directly for the same reason they don't buy their investment properties in their personal name. They're going to set up an LLC. Even me, 
Like I'm here in the office and I can push all the buttons to move the stuff around for my account. I don't even want to do that. I want an LLC. So I have my retirement account own an LLC 100%. Okay. I'm the manager of, and everyone can do the same thing. And then that LLC owns the property. So what the IRA owns is the LLC. Let's say you call it XYZ Investments LLC. The IRA actually owns 100% of XYZ Investments LLC, which has a bank account. And you'll tell your IRA custodian, hey, I want to send 150 grand from my IRA to this LLC. We can wire the money to the LLC. The LLC has its own bank account. You're the manager of the LLC, so you're in control. You don't own it at all, but you're the manager. And that allows you to go make offers on properties, go hire someone to fix it, you know, manage the bank account to pay the bills and receive the income. And so it kind of puts you in a control position to get stuff done. Plus, you have the liability protection of the LLC. So if something happens on the property, they can sue the LLC. They can't come after you. They can't come after the IRA. Okay, great. And then are there limitations that an investor can't do as an investor under? Yeah, under... yeah you have some, there's some tax laws on that. So uh, in the real estate space, the common one would be is you can't work on the property. So whether my IRA owns or I got an IRA LLC, like I can go to the property and I can boss people around and the LLC, which is the IRA owns it hundred percent in this example, it's paying the bills, right? It's paying the contractor, but I can't go put on the tool belt and go do a remodel myself. Okay. And I can pay someone to do it, but I can't go do the work myself. So that'd be the first restriction. The second would be is that you and anyone disqualified to the IRA under the rules, which includes like you, your spouse, your kids, your parents, they can't have use or benefit of the property. So an, an example of that, we have lots of clients that buy short-term rentals with their retirement account. And let's say there's no one staying there for a week. You're like, oh, I just want to go stay there with my family. Nah, you can't do that because you're benefiting from the property yourself and you're restricted from that. It's got to be held solely for investment. And what happens if someone dares to do that? <laughs> Some, if you're crazy, you know, <laughs> you dare. Um, what happens is you have what's called a prohibited transaction. Okay. And my book that you mentioned, the self-directed IRA handbook, I've actually sold 35,000 copies now. I got to figure out where that file came from because I got to update that. On but, your website. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. It's probably the law firm website because so that's not as up to date. Okay. But um, <laughs> yeah, so um, but what happens is the consequence of a prohibited transaction is you lose the entire IRA account. It's distributed. So it's, it's called like the death penalty for IRAs, you know, amongst tax lawyers. So you really want to avoid having a prohibited transaction. So it's really important that you learn the rules on what you can and can't do. The rules aren't complicated, but they're just a little different. And even if you're a real estate investor and you've used LLCs in the past, even the LLC documents are unique from a regular LLC. What you can and can't do on a deal may be a little unique, like not being able to work on it. You can't pay yourself any compensation. You can't use the property. All these little nuances are important to know. They're not complicated, but I tell clients it's like a learning a new board game. You know, like at first, you don't know what the heck you're doing, but if of you play course. with someone, you know, or you read the rule book, it's the same thing over and over and you get the hang of it. So just take a little bit of time before you jump in to make sure you learn the rules on what you can and can't do. So your book or any other custodian can help guide. Yeah. Now, custod yeah. Custodians won't really help you. They'll like, you know, they're restricted from giving any advice. 
Okay. So they're going to be like, you filled out the wrong paperwork or this was done wrong. And we can obviously see that and they'll put the brakes on something, but they're not going to tell you what you're supposed to do. Now, our company and other companies, I mean, they're going to try and be helpful. I mean, certainly we are, um, but it's not a substitute for like, you should really go get a consult if you don't know or, or read the book. Like, a, I mean, you know, most of the companies in our industry buy my book, you know, and they, their staff is trained off my book including my own team here. And so I, I would recommend like the book or just even there's a lot of free content on our site and others that just learn the basics of what it is. Um, you, if you're doing an IRA LLC, you'll probably need an attorney anyways. Um, most companies require an attorney to set up the LLC and then be in compliance with retirement account. Rules. So get one that knows those and you can talk through your deals if you're doing an LLC anyways, and they'll help make sure you know what you're doing and not making a mistake. Wonderful. Now, if someone wants to use their money to put a down payment on a rental property and then take out a mortgage for the rest, how does that work? So you can do that. Um, There's two things you have to know. The first is the loan has to be what's called non-recourse, which means you can't guarantee the loan, nor can the IRA. So there's a number of banks out there. There's probably between like five and 10 banks now that lend nationwide that will loan to IRAs or IRA LLCs or solo 401ks and these self-directed accounts that can buy rental real estate. And this could, these are single family properties, you know, whatever, they'll loan on multifamily commercial, but they're, they're doing most of their loans on just single family rentals. And so the, because you're not guaranteeing the debt or the IRA is not, what happens is in the event of default, all the lender can do is foreclose and take the property back. They can't go after you or the IRA for any deficiency. So they're going to make you put more money down. Generally, you'll see 30%, some 40%. There's some even at 25. They're kind of all over the place. But um, you're going to generally put more down than you typically would. That's the one thing. It's non-recourse. You're going to put more money down. That'd be the first thing. Okay. Um, The second thing is super complicated, but it's basically there's a tax on the profits you make from the debt. So for example... Just so I can do the math here, let's say you bought a property for 100000 Correct. And the IRA put down 40000 and you got a loan for sixty grand from, from one, a non-recourse loan from one of these banks. Well, to the IRS, they look at that deal as 40% IRA money that you, you know, so 40% of the profits, you don't pay tax. But the other 60% of that deal, they're like, that's not retirement plan money, that's a debt. We'll let your IRA get the income off it, but you got to pay a tax on profits from the that are attributable to debt. So let's say I sold the property for 10 grand a year later. They're mm-hmm. going to say, and this is all after all your expenses, of course, you had a 10,000 profit. They're going to say 4,000 goes back to your IRA. No taxes. Don't worry about it. The other 60% though, 6,000 in this example, that wasn't retirement account money. That was debt. It's going to go to the IRA, but you got to pay a tax on it. In this case, you'd pay capital gains of 20%. So you'd pay you know, 20% of 600 bucks, you pay $1,200 in tax. And the IRA actually pays the tax. So that's also a chapter in my book. And I've got free webinars on a lot of this stuff too. But that's, um, that's one to know if you're going to leverage with debt. Now I'll have clients call me all the time. Like, Matt, I could buy one property with cash out, right? With my IRA, or I could buy three and get non-recourse loans. And I'll have this tax. Should I do it? I'm like, if those are good performing properties, definitely go do that you're only paying tax on the money you make and it's only a percent. And this is on debt that is leveraging your investment purchasing power that you'd never have be able to do with your retirement account anyways. 
So I'm always game to do it. And a lot of our clients do um, just because you can buy more assets, essentially, which increases your return as long as they perform. Of course. Now, what if an investor wants to join forces with another person uh, to purchase, let's say, a multi-unit and they don't have enough in there, so they want to work with somebody else and own half shares of it 50-50? Does the other person, do they have to have a self-directed IRA or can they just go work with any other partner? Yeah, you could work with any other partner. I mean, let's say you and I wanted to partner and I want to use my IRA and you're like, all right, I'm going to put in some personal cash. It's just non-retirement. We could form an LLC between the two of us. And let's say I put in a hundred grand from my IRA. You put in a hundred grand of just personal cash. Right. My IRA owns 50%. You personally own 50%. Then that LLC can go out and make whatever investment we were going to make. That's totally fine. Also, let's say that, let's say that we wanted to kind of do a kind of I'm cash partner, your work partner deal. We Correct. Do JD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we can just do that. You need to do it in an LLC. And with because the IRAs and they do an LLC. So my IRA is the cash partner. Let's say it puts in the hundred grand and then you get 50% ownership for doing the work, which would be effectively valued at a hundred thousand. And now we each own the LLC 50, 50. Um, and then, but then your job is to do the work for whatever it is we're doing, or maybe you have the deal you're bringing into the LLC. Um, that's definitely common and can be done. Okay. Um, so there's lots of different ways to do it. One restriction is partnering with certain disqualified family. Like, what does that mean? Like, let's say, let's say you wanted to do a deal. Um, and it was some people clients will say, well, Matt, I can, I want to be the work partner and I'm going to, you know, put in half the value for the work, but I'll have my IRA put in half, you know, like the example I gave him, my area put in a hundred grand to be the cash partner. And I'm personally going to do the work on the deal for the other 50%. Now that's prohibited. You can't partner for services with your mm-hmm. retirement account. It is possible to do an LLC that you personally put in a hundred thousand of cash and your IRA puts in a hundred thousand of cash and you're 50, 50. That's possible. It's very tricky because you're prohibited. So you got to make sure you're doing it right. Um, but you can combine multiple accounts of yourself or your personal cash, or maybe your account and your spouse's account into one LLC, you break up the dollars, sorry, you break up the ownership of the LLC based on the dollars invested, then that LLC can go out and make a purchase. And so that's possible to kind of, you know, combine multiple accounts and resources to get more money in LLC to maybe buy a bigger property or deal that you could, couldn't do, you know, separate or apart. And what if we want to be a private lender type of hands-off investor and take money out of there and yeah. lend it to a fix and flipper at a percentage and take it back? Is that allowed as well? Absolutely. So that's very common. Um, we have lots of accounts that just do kind of private money, hard money lending. And so you could loan it out short-term, long-term, secured, unsecured. It could do, go right from the IRA or it could be from your IRA LLC. and that's pretty clean and easy, actually, um, because it is less, less hands-off. So there's less rules you got to worry about. You just can't loan the money to yourself, you know, or to your own company, or, or any family member, or anybody like yeah. that, or a friend, yeah. or friends. Yeah. Friends know. cool. Friends okay. cool. And certain family are okay. So like, like your spouse joint. isn't, you know, spouses restricted. Your kids and your kids' spouses. So like your daughter-in-law, son-in-law. Your parents are restricted. 
but like your siblings aren't. So your IRA could loan money to your sibling. That's um, interesting. Yeah, That's very interesting. Uncles, yeah, nephews. One common one is, you know, a lot of like aunts and uncles lending money to their nephew or niece on a business or real estate deal. But those are okay. Great. So is there any question that I didn't ask that you'd like to tell our listeners? <laughs> Man, you had great questions, actually. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know how my answers were, but your questions were great. Well, yeah, uh, very, very informative. Yeah. No, I think, you know, I mean, real estate is probably the most common asset for people to invest in with a self-directed account. We have a lot of clients investing into private funds or, you know, real estate syndications on bigger deals. Maybe it's an apartment complex or a commercial property. Um, you know, people invest in hedge funds here that are doing all sorts of crazy stuff or cryptocurrency. Um, so all those are things that self-directed IRA can own. Um, digital real estate. That's what's that? Digital real estate. Yeah, yeah. So we've had clients. I actually spoke at the Blockchain Real Estate Summit um, okay. a couple months ago in Texas, um, and we've had. And the reason I spoke there is because um, one of our clients' IRAs bought a digital token in a real estate fund, and okay. so it was our first time kind of going through that process. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you're seeing that that's going to become more and more common. Absolutely. At, at the end of the day, that's just a real estate asset. You just have a token that's kind of like your membership or stock certificate that you own it, you know? Right. But it's kind of cool because it's a better way to track. And frankly, private funds and stuff are kind of a mess in how they track that. So it's a much more secure way to track those assets. Wonderful. So self-directed IRAs are very flexible. We can do so much with them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not for everyone. You know, some people like I've had clients come over and they set up an account. They're like, all right, well, I don't know what to do with it. Well, I'm like, well, you kind of want to set it up once you know what you want to invest into, you know? That and also, you know, you should educate yourself on investing before starting to invest. Just yeah, like you right. educate yourself on self-directed IRAs. Yeah. So that's very important that you surround yourself with coaches and get into really good programs that's going to teach you how to find the best deal out there for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, I mean, that's very critical in the process and the retirement account, you know, a self-directed IRA, it's just a tool, you know, it's a tax efficient tool to build long-term wealth. You know, you're, you're just like your IRA buying a mutual fund, you know, you're not paying taxes, you're growing that account over time. And so it's a, it's a very valuable tool, but you got to know what to build with it. So what investments do I put in it? How do I find them? How do I do them right? You've got to get those pieces figured out too. And, and, you know, but I'll say this too, some clients get on the other end, get into analysis paralysis and they never do anything like, True. you know, and, and, and then they just don't ever invest in anything because they've just read everything. They've been to every workshop, they've talked to every person and they're just like, so scared of making a mistake at a certain point you just got to go in and go for it Absolutely. Um, so there's got to be I'm some balance on that one yeah, yeah. it's got to be some balance on learning but not overdoing it so you never do anything right matt thank you so much this has been a very very informative conversation yeah my pleasure thanks for having me thank you for tuning in See you next time, and don't forget, like and subscribe to the channel.